Hey guys, welcome to the Fox and Burger podcast. I'm your co-host Fox. And I am Burger. So for today, um, we'd, like, we'd like to explain a little bit about what our podcast is, you know, it being the first episode and all. Um, we also have some more like anecdotal stuff uh, towards, towards the end, but I think first things first, we should probably talk a little bit about ourselves. So I'd like to pass the mic over to uh, Burger. All right, thanks for the mic. I'll pass it back once I'm done. So I am Burger. <laughs> I am a bull and I have nice blonde hair. Uh, I have a nice uh, summery surfer dude kind of a vibe. I like tank tops and the sun and going out places and stuff. And I say that, but that's just my fursona. Uh, that's not the real actually, me. <laughs> other than that, do you actually like that? Do you actually like the beaches and stuff? Yeah, man. Like that's why <laughs> I picked the vacation spots that I do. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, sometimes it's jungle rather than beach, but you know, you get my drift. Sure. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, um, outside of the fursona, you can catch me online as Lightning Runner. Uh, You can call me Lightning or Burger. Uh, The way that I was introduced into this fandom, we could start with that, is years and years ago, I saw how the internet reacted to furries, that being the real negative kind of um, stereotypes and such. And I carried that with me even, and honestly... The, the more of a feedback loop you get of that, the more it just seems like it, it just gives you such a, like, even if you have your own personal faults, even if you are in yourself kind of an asshole, you still have that mentality of, well, at least I'm not a furry. And that's basically how everything changed in a way. I was in a, like, do you remember MSN chat groups? I remember, I remember MSN. I don't know if I was in any particular chat groups, but I do remember M- MSN. Yeah, so this was over MSN chat groups. Before that, basically sure. went over to, I don't know, Skype, which then went over to <laughs> Discord, whatever. Um, and then somehow Telegram came along. Anyway, I'm getting into a tangent. Uh, so in this little group chat that I had over MSN... Um, I'm not sure what the discussion even was at this point, but somehow I uttered the words, well not uttered, I typed the words, well at least I'm not a furry, but I didn't use the word because I'm not sure how we feel about swearing in this podcast for now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used the, some more vulgar terms, we'll just say. I was was in my edgy teens, (laughs) and... Someone else in the chat who is a little bit older was just like, excuse me? Is is that what you're going to say? You, you know I'm a furry, right? Is, is, is there something you need to say about me? Is, is, is this what's going on? Like, it wasn't quite that. that was, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that little, like, response of, excuse me? Was all I needed to realize, oh, wait, you know, maybe these furries are humans after all. Uh, yeah. No, we're animals. Clearly, yeah. And it's kind of interesting how the spotlight went onto me being the hater rather than like what I assume goes through the heads of some of these other furry haters um, or just people who do not like or straight up hate furries. Like, I guess they assume once they encounter a furry in the wild that they just will be like telling them off and bullying the hell out of them but basically the spotlight went over to me instead because you know that's how life actually works <laughs> no one really likes a squeaky wheel Mm-hmm. so once that sort of heel turn happened I dove right 100% into the furry thing I was all about getting a fursona and the role play and looking at the art and like I just couldn't stop thinking about it because that's how my mind just curious, works. Uh, what year did you would you say you joined the fandom? If if you can if you can even pinpoint it to a year, I would pinpoint it to officially calling it March 2010. So in a couple of months will be my 11th year anniversary. 
I should also Happy mention birthday. I'm 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 a, an old fart. I'm 29 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 26 for the record. I don't know if that means anything, but let that be on the record. I just turned. Yeah. I mean, it's just the amount of new and younger furries that come into the fandom constantly every single year just makes you feel older mm-hmm. and older and older. Yeah. But I guess that's life. Um, I guess we should mention that. Uh, well, go ahead and explain how you got into the fandom. Sure, sure. Um, well, for me, I, I I definitely didn't have that experience. Um and, and maybe it's good because you know we can we can see how the fandom like joining the fandom is different from for for, for each person. For me, uh, I would say my interest in the furry fandom began when I was a kid um, back in Texas. I'm, I'm I'm from the Republic of Texas, by the way. But um, the Republic back in Texas, of Texas. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't even you know the funny thing is I don't I don't I wasn't even born in Texas, but I, I kind of just I just I continue on with the joke. Um, I wonder if it's a good or bad thing, but. Anyway, so like when I was young, I lived with my grandma, uh, me, my sister, and my, my parents, my mom and dad, we lived with our grandma and she would she had two dogs. Um, and I remember me and my sister would always play with them like almost every day. We would, we would take them on walks, we would feed them, we would wash them. And um, I don't know exactly why we wanted dogs um, of all companion pets. Um, we didn't get cats, we didn't get birds, but anyway that's like when my interest kind of like my interest in like like um in animals i guess you could say because i thought they were cute and they were furry um that's when it first began um along came a movie a movie called balto which is uh my favorite movie of all time uh for some people they i think they get into the fandom fandom through the, the lion king um but i'm more of a canine person so i went down the balto route and um i would say that i i i was i was I really didn't know what a furry was when I was young, and I think like come high school, mid- middle school, high school, like I'm 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 going on the internet more often, um, without like you know like like I've got my own computer and stuff, so I can just look look up these things and then like I kind of like I, I didn't know what what these like what what furry meant. I didn't know what these art pieces were about. So, um, but then like I kind of slowly gained interest over time. And I think you could say I was a closet furry uh, for for that period of like middle school, high school, and then it wasn't until I got to Taiwan, um, uh, what was it in 2017, that I officially said like you know what like I don't want to be like I don't want to be like a lurker anymore. I want to do something. I want to go out and meet some friends. And so I, I I always tell people that you know despite being from the states. Um, I actually started my furry, I guess, career um, in in Taiwan in 2017, so I'm, I'm I'm fairly new to the fandom. So you're a professional fox, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I'm I am professional fox. Uh, be that as it may. <laughs> uh, Add that to your CV. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, totally. Um, I, I think we also want to mention maybe now is a good time to mention like where we're, where we're currently based. I am in Taoyuan. What country? Taiwan there you go <laughs> well yeah and 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 uh and me too actually um I'm, I'm recording here in Taipei Taiwan um we're, we're, we're both in Taiwan right now due to uh some interesting circumstances I guess yeah so basically I a couple blah, blah, a couple of years ago I got the offer to teach English as a foreign language in mainland China uh, this was when I was looking for work. Um, I was kind of like, I was working at a TV station as a temporary thing, even though they gave me full benefits for the whole six months or so. And while I was on the job hunt of other potential careers, I saw that they were looking for English teachers. You didn't need any experience with teaching. You didn't even need an education degree. All you had to do was take a little online course give them some info um, and then you would basically be on your way and at first you look at something and you think like is this a phishing scam is this like a laundry laundering scheme (laughs) because what do I know about China (laughs) yeah so it it ended up being legit Um, it took months to process everything 
mostly because of the bureaucracy that comes with like having to employ foreigners and Mm -hmm. the special kind of bureaucracy you can find in like Asian countries, especially mainland China, Taiwan, Japan, etc. Right. But I eventually get my butt over there. Um, I teach there for about a year. I pick up some Chinese quite a bit. Uh, I meet with the furry population over there. And I would go back to the States once I... um, Well, my VPN stopped working. My little workaround around the Great Chinese Firewall, as they like to call it. (laughs) My bypass around there stopped working. I was feeling a little bit homesick. So I ended my contract. Well, basically, I ended my contract on time, but they wanted to extend... It's until about October of that year. And, like, basically, we worked it out, and I left on time. I spent some time going on a holiday break to multiple Southeast Asian countries because I had the money and time. Um, I can talk about that a little bit later, being a world traveler and all that. But that led me back to the United States, looking for more work. Couldn't find work. I could probably try teaching English in another country. That ended up being Taiwan. And because of COVID-19, I ended up with not just bureaucracy, but, you know, longer wait times due to short staff. Um, but I eventually got over here. So, how did you get to Taiwan? Yeah, uh, well, 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 for me, um, so I graduated um, from college back in uh, 2017 and I was on the path to um, to to get my PhD in uh, Chinese history, and so um, I remember my professor recommending, well, since you don't since you don't have the language abilities to even read primary sources in Chinese, you need you need to be able to read the source texts. Um, you need to strengthen your Chinese first. So whatever Chinese proficiency you have right now, it, it's not going to cut it in the academic world. So my reason for coming to Taiwan was actually a little bit more, I guess, like like academic focus. Like I, I actually just wanted to use Taiwan as a stepping stone. Um, and so in 2017, that's when I that's that's when I uh, like that was like my first arrival. So I did two years of uh, Chinese training um, in uh, in Taiwan, and then I came back to the states in 2019 at the end of the year because um, at that point, like you know, my own personal funds were running out. And um, I definitely uh, like like I was I was hurting for cash. And while I was trying to find a job, I, I couldn't find. Um, well, I, I should say it more like this. I thought I had a job lined up, but then it turns out like there's an issue with my work experience because they were saying like you do have work experience, but they're all like from your college years. We need something that's like post college. And um, unfortunately, uh, uh, like although they quote unquote accepted me um, because of that one little like gotcha kind of thing like that one little regulation that piece of regulation i wasn't able to uh get the job so that's why i went back to the states in 2019 um now i came back before covid like got really really serious you know like like december 2019 like november that's before covid started happening but then like i you know i was there when covid did happen though like like i mean i i i i was there from like what like november 2019 to all the way to like october 2020 and um it feels weird saying 2020 but but yeah um uh i finally got the news that i got accepted to my master's in translation and so um so i am a master's student right now that's what i'm studying and um uh i decided that i didn't really want to um to study history per se anymore like i think that's one of the things i want to study and want to engage in but i didn't want that like i didn't necessarily want to go down specifically that route but uh so so burger so burger actually arrived in taiwan before me um i arrived in october yeah (laughs) yeah like like for you wasn't it in like the like was it june july it was of last year right after my birthday basically like the end of july Mm. yeah like like um I do remember that, and 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 and, and I mean, I, I came shortly after, but uh, it definitely was an interesting wait because I didn't think I would be in Taiwan in 2020. Um, I thought they were going to force us to do like online classes for like a year, or maybe even a semester, 
and then we and then we could enter Taiwan. Like I, I was thinking they were gonna play it a little bit more safe, but um, I was one of the quote unquote lucky ones. I think Taiwan has more regulations on foreign students entering the country. I think I think that's just not possible anymore. I think there's new regulations saying that they're not going to let foreign students in anymore, at least until things get better. So, um, of course, don't quote me on that one. But um, I was able to come in Taiwan before that, like that that new rule. Um, but I've been loving it ever since. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's interesting the difference between how they accept and process students rather than accepting and processing foreign workers especially us white ass monkeys mm. that come in there and dance in front of kindergarten kids <laughs> <laughs> i should also mention to the audience that i'm asian american I, I think that might help a little bit uh i'm, I'm not white but uh yeah you it's a blessing and a curse you definitely <laughs> um assimilate a lot better than i do but that just means <laughs> i can play the foreigner card that is 100% true. Like I, I lost my foreigner card like like after maybe the after about 6 months of Chinese training like by then I could have a decent conversation in Chinese. So after that like no nah, I can't fake I can't fake like I don't speak Chinese anymore. Like I actually I actually need to speak mm-hmm. or at least try. Well, uh I I think I think now we should so so me and 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 Berger um have lived in Asia for, you know, a good period of time. Um, I actually have not been to mainland China, um, and so I think I think Berger is going to have more. Uh, he he'll be able, he'll be able to provide more experience and perspective from from that part of the world. Uh, for me, I mainly been based here in Taiwan, but uh, we noticed that you know we noticed that there isn't there doesn't seem to be a lot of coverage, a lot of media or a lot of works um, relating to the um, uh, re- relating to the Asian side of the furry fandom. Um, and I think I think that um, I think that uh, there there are multiple reasons for that. But for us, we'd like to kind of maybe examine the Asian fandom a little bit more closely, at least for like an at least for an English speaking audience. Um, this isn't to say that there are no furries in Asia, and this isn't to say that they don't have cons. Like they certainly do have cons. Um, but it's just that we we think that that there hasn't been a lot of focus or spotlight on these kinds of cons and on the activities going on in the Asian side of the fandom. And so with this podcast, we're kind of hoping to uh, basically interview um, furries from Asia um, and kind of get their experiences, get their perspectives, maybe ask them, you know, what do you think makes your side of the fandom a little bit more special or, or different? Um, and maybe compare that with, with the Western fandom uh, because we think that uh, there's something worth looking at, um, and, and we also, I, I think it's fair to say that we also think that there's there's a lot of stuff to do in Asia. And while people may focus a lot on like the American conventions or perhaps even in Europe, like with EF, um, people people I think when they think of like the Furcon, they they may think of like Furcons like MFF or AC. Um, and again, for the European side, maybe like EF, maybe uh, what Confuzzled or N- NFC, uh, just to, just to name a few. Yeah, but that's, um, a, that's actually a really good point you made because mm-hmm. um, I was Go going through Beta Eta Deloda, his his channel. He had a video called "When Is the Next Furcon," and he talked about nothing but American furry cons and when they could possibly mm-hmm. be opening back up again due to. Uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, right? And as a matter of fact, um, Taiwan has had, um, I guess you could say, two furcons in the past, like what three four months. Um, one, uh, and actually, we both attended those. Uh, one being furry MIT, and then the other one being fur points. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, there's obviously uh, to kind of continue continue on, and then I'll, I'll pass the mic to you, but. To 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 kind of to kind of summarize, like we, there's obviously stuff going on here on on in this side of the world, and we think that's worth worth um looking at, worth analyzing. So, uh, we'll we'll, we'll we have like a certain certain amount of guests. We have some we have some guests. We sh- I, I should say that we'd like to interview, get their opinions. I mean, we're trying to pick people from different parts of the fandom as well. You know, so to, just to to kind to kind of like align with our mission of just further exploring this side of the fandom. So, um. I'll pass uh, the mic to uh, to Berger uh, if he's got anything else to add. Yeah, um, I specifically kind of want to mention and bring on some guests that are from mainland China just because mm-hmm. they're 
source of communication with the outside world is a little bit limited due to that trying to bypass the firewall. Um, there are other countries that have like a firewall or restricted internet and pro probably like not as much Western influence because I think the idea of a furry fandom is a very Western one, you know, in the way that we currently think about it. Because like the concept of uh, anthropomorphic animal characters have existed everywhere in the world since the dawn of time. Since there have right. been human civilization and their interaction with animals and their storytelling and all that. I mean, one of the great four liter classic literatures of China is uh, Journey to the West. And that has uh, Sun Wukong, that has Zhu Baijie, um, that has all sorts of dragons and other creatures in it. People don't really see that as anything particularly special like, oh, you know what, I'm so inspired by this Monkey King guy that I'm going to be my own uh, Monkey King OC. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even I, I, know, I know one monkey uh, furry in China, actually, and he might be the only monkey furry I know. There's um, not a lot of monkey furries in general, even in the West. Yeah. I think it's just because yeah. monkeys are too close to like humans or like their kind of personality or animal stereotypes just don't interest people to create a character that's uh, based right. on any sort of primate or monkey. But there are a couple out there, and I appreciate that they pick a unique species. Right. I guess I didn't pick any uh, unique species. <laughs> I'm surprised that bovines are unique. Your name makes me really hungry. Can I just say that? Um. Yeah, I know. It's intentional that I named him Burger. I haven't really talked much about Burger's, um, my character's backstory, just because uh, it's kind of dark. And, uh, but, Oof. like, I, I don't know. I just was trying to think of, like, okay, what do I call this cow bovine Sona? And the first thing that popped up in my, in my head was Burger. So I just went with it. And I decided on a backstory later. So the backstory is... He was in the factory farm processing sort of lifestyle. He was caged up. He was force-fed. He was built to be one of the studs. No, not the studs. One of the bulls to... What, what, what exactly do you call it? Anyway, he was in the system that basically processes and slaughters cow meat. But as a bull. Mm. So... He managed to escape, but not without his tail being cut off in the process. Uh, that's my excuse for my partial fursuit not having a tail. Well, wow! So, so does that mean like when you so so you, you you won't actually have a tail at all though, right? Unless you're gonna like break character or like unless you change your character. If I ever get a full suit of burger, it'll just have a little cut off nub. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. See, I, I'm. See, I come up with things first and then think around it and try to explain it and try to make it seem like I know what I'm doing. You're smart. <laughs> I mean, that's basically how I... There, there are, like, interviews with, like, Neil Gaiman about how he does mm -hmm. his story drafts and all that. <laughs> and that's basically his process. You know, type up everything that happens in the story and then in your second draft, basic, make it seem like you knew what you were doing the whole time. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> Fake it till you make it, maybe. Ex something like that, yeah. Uh, I'm, well, surpri uh, I'm surprised you didn't pick a wolf Sona based on how much you like Balto, actually. Yeah, I, 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 I well, well, yeah, well, well. That's a that's a good segue to to, to what I was gonna say. Um, well, f well, first off, uh, as as is obvious, I am a fox. Um, and uh, to 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 answer your question. I think there was a point where I liked wolves more than foxes, and uh, that probably was most of my childhood. And um, man, I remember I remember trying to watch as many movies as I could about wolves or even like wolf dogs. So I did I did end up reading um, Call of the Wild and White Fang by Ooh. Jack London. Um, man, um, I still remember re that that was like I remember that man. I think I read that in high school, uh, just just out of pure leisure, just pure leisure leisure it wasn't homework 
I remember reading um, like a chapter per night or something like that. I've got like my stuffed dog with me. I'm just reading in bed um, like before going to bed. Uh, and, and I think like um, I always wanted to ask Jack London, hey, man, are you a furry? <laughs> but but uh, but uh, yeah, like like I don't know exactly when the change happened, but I, I'm pretty sure it happened around uh when zootopia got released and you have to remind me was that in 2016 yep was it, or was that 2014 2016 right yeah 16 so so i remember watching zootopia like four times uh in the theaters like like over over a period of like two months like i remember i was just bringing friends to the theater so i was like literally giving disney my money <laughs> but um uh just because i wanted to see their reaction just because like i, I love the movie so much and then I think it was basically because of Nick that I decided, okay, you know, I'm gonna be a fox. Like that's it. Like 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 I I, I like Nick. I like the way he looks. I like his voice. I, I love Jason Bateman. Um, love his personality. So I was like, yeah, I'll I'll be a fox. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not to say that my persona um, is like a cunning or sleazy fox like him. It's just like I guess I just like the way they looked and I thought they were cute. Um, and then uh, I guess a little bit about my own persona though. Um, uh, his name is Michael, and I actually prefer if people call me Michael. I'm one of those weirdos, and he literally is me though. He he isn't like he isn't a character with a backstory necessarily. He's just me. Um, so that so a little bit boring of an explanation there, but he's got like I don't I don't know I don't know. I guess people can go to my Twitter and see what he looks like. You can go to Foxnack. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll have the link posted somewhere. But um, if you go to my Twitter. You'll see what he looks like, and then his thing is that he wears suits because um, I always wore suits in high school and college, and even for the first year when I was in Taiwan, and people always like pick that out about me, like, "Man, you're always wearing suits like every single day, even though you don't have to go to work." Or I, I, I didn't, I didn't need anything that required a suit for that day. I just wanted to wear it because it looked cool, and um, I might bring that back. That look, I might try to bring that look back, but that's the reason why. Yeah, like he's he's got a. He's always like in a suit with a with a tie. I don't remember. Did you wear any sort of suit when we were at Fairpoint? For Fairpoint, I didn't. Um, I was just wearing like what, like my my Under Armour jacket, and then like probably some kind of like long sleeve shirt. But um, I actually don't have a tie, and I need to go buy that. I, I actually would love to um to get uh some kind of suit because I do want to commission for my first suit this year and hopefully get it by the end of the year and if not next year so I kind of need to like prepare for for that. Yeah. Um it it just seems interesting just because and we can talk about this a little later once we go into a podcast specific for Furpoint, I suppose. Um mm-hmm. when I was trying mm-hmm. to find an outfit for Furpoint, they had like a specific kind of outfit that you wanted to wear. Or, right. like, unless you were a full suit, fur fur suit, you know, um, you either had to have the yeah. fur suit or like a smart casual suit. Yeah, it 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 was like the first fur con I've been to where they actually like it was quote unquote mandated. Like, of course they're not gonna kick you out, but they like they like strongly encouraged you to wear something more formal than like I don't know shorts and uh, sandals. Yeah, um, but like I went through a whole bunch of shopping districts and shops, uh, clothing shops along in my area. I ended up mm. buying that, that jacket that I wore, the black thing. Oh. That cost like 2,000 NT. Oh, sh- oh man. I mean, it was it was an import for from South Korea, apparently, and like it looked good. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just kind of ironic that I was more dressed up than you were at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, man, um, I know I had like my, I had a, I had a button down actually. I had a button down. I tucked in my, no, I didn't tuck in my shirt. I had a belt on and then I actually did not have any leather shoes. So for me, it was like, it was like a, it definitely was on the casual side. If, if I, if I, if I upgraded my shoes, I think I would have looked a little bit more formal uh, but man, that, man, now you're making me want to go out and shop again because I need to get a suit. Oh my god, do you want to go shopping? <laughs> like that, it just seems like you, your attire and your way of fashion is completely opposite to mine because I'm all about yeah. comfort. And if it's not like 
a nice soft sweater with some sweatpants. I'm like, tank top, shorts, sandals. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, for the most part of my life, I had no sense of style just because the most I would wear was, uh, like, my school dress code, which was just, you know, collared shirt, tuck it in your pants, belt, khakis, right. typical school wear. Um, and I didn't think much about it just because, you know, whatever. Uh, outside of school, I think I just had, like, I can't really remember. It must have been just the most basic boy clothes. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I think going into college and stuff, once I went past 18, I just decided that, huh, maybe I would look good in this. And then I put it on and I go, okay, I think I prefer this. I think I prefer having a sense of style. I'm glad I got involved in this fashion activity. <laughs> I say it that way yeah, just be- I, I say it that way just because like in any of the Sims games, whenever your character just does something and they've never done that activity before and then they end up really liking it, like if they eat f- food for the first time right after creation, the game goes like, I'm really glad I tried this cuisine activity. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think that, um, yeah, especially me compared with everyone else, um, I probably dress slightly more, slightly more formal than other people, but I definitely kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say let my guard down, but I, I don't, I don't think I maintain that sense of formality anymore because, like, I just don't wear my suit and tie anymore, not, not as much as I used to, and um, I could, but just for the sake of like saving money, and also I had to be careful about like. Um, uh what to buy um because like if i want to keep like a good a good amount of like button down shirts because you know i'm not just going to wear the same button down shirt for like seven days in a row i need to i need to rotate them and then i need to make sure i get some decent khakis and rotate the belts because you know they they can also wear out so first for i was really strapped for cash like um at a certain point when i was in taiwan my my my, my first time in taiwan um like the second year i was pretty strapped for cash i'm like nah i can't like i can't maintain this right now so now i can probably go back to doing that but but um it's interesting you brought up the whole like i know we're a little bit on tangent here but it's interesting when you bring up the whole comfort kind of thing because like um yeah like that was my first initial like i guess style like just comfort and then later i realized that okay yeah like then you can start mixing and matching you can start finding your own style that's based off of appearance um and i think like that's a good and a bad thing in itself but i realized that suits was the way to go and it made me stand out but hopefully in a good way um other people think i'm weird but for me i'm like i'm okay i mean people think i'm weird just because of like my personality and my personal quirks um same thing for me. <laughs> yeah, we. It's okay. We're both fanboys of each other, apparently. We're all weird on the inside, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> so honestly, it's it just seems like I don't want to keep going on this clothes tangent. This just seems like a weird. We're 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 talking about furries. Why are we talking about clothing yeah. right now? Um. Yeah, yeah. So the furries over in mainland China, like, I think I may have brought this but i'll reiterate that they only really have they have different outlets for communicating with each other and experiencing the world outside of Mm -hmm. mainland china and like only a couple of them well i think there's a growing motive or like uh, interest into using apps outside of the ones that they have in china because in mainland china they basically decided you know what the, the way we're going to control our people and make sure they're socially acceptable and all that, they have the social harmonies and all that, uh, we're just going to block Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, Google, uh, and we're just going to make our own versions. We're just going to do our own thing. So you have WeChat, you have QQ, Weibo, Douyin, yeah, a whole bunch of more Chinese sounding names. Now, I know some furries over here in Taiwan uh, 
are able to use Chinese apps like even QQ and Billy Billy, but like it's not the most popular option. You would only use it if you want to talk to mainland Chinese people. Mm -hmm. or, or content that's like for Billy Billy, isn't that like the Chinese YouTube? It is. Right? Yeah. So like, so like for Billy, Billy I, I know they have like, they have like, you know, mainland furries. So it's like, if they're going to release a video of them dancing, it's probably going to be on Billy Billy. It's not going to be on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Unless you're someone like Dunbo who releases on both YouTube and Billy Billy. Oh yeah. He does release on Billy Billy. I forgot. He also streams on Billy Billy. Wow. That guy is brave. He's like <laughs> the only furry from Taiwan I know who does that, who would actually stream on Billy Billy. <laughs> I'm not sure why that would be brave, though. Like, is there something nefarious about that? Uh, I don't know. It's just the whole, like, like giving the Chinese government your information kind of thing. But, like, um, I, I'm pretty sure they've stolen stuff from me. They, so what do I know? Yeah, they have my info just because I lived there for a year. And I don't remember my social credit score, but it was not <laughs> enough to rent a bicycle. I can go into that story later, but like, uh, just the idea of a social credit score still peeves me just a little bit. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I didn't even know that was the case. Where it's like, depending on that score, you you could you could or could not buy X good. It's basically like kind of locking you in within your own form of isolation. Like, depending on your credit score, you either cannot rent a bike or use an, uh, their version of an Uber, uh, which is called Didi Dacha, something like that. Um, but most people just call it Didi because it's shorter. Um, you can't help rent a hotel room. You can't book a ticket on, for a train. You can't fly on an airplane. Basically, if the Chinese government does not like you, they're going to make mm -hmm. sure you stay where you are until you learn your lesson, I guess. And that's just how the CCP rolls. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, to kind of well, to kind of move away from politics a little bit, I was I was gonna say like, um, do you want to share any more anecdotes of like you being in Taiwan or your experience here? So, I tried to learn a little bit of Chinese from a private tutor a couple months before my flight over to mainland China. So I basically started out sounding like a Beijing accent kind of a dude. Um, but with the... Me too, actually. Yeah. Um, and then I learned more Chinese when I was over in the mainland. And then when I came over to Taiwan, I felt the sort of culture shock of, wait, they say it like this? Really? <laughs> why, why, why are you softening certain words? It just sounds like... So it just sounds like a different word. Why, why are you saying "sushu" and why are you saying "sushu" instead of "sushu"? You know, it's just <sighs> like the way you say like 40, 14, and forty-four in Taiwanese Chinese dialect. They basically sound all the same in my ears. Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, that definitely took some time for me to get to to get used to. But it's like they get lazier with their pronunciation and language, but they keep the traditional Chinese characters. It's like a complete flip-flop of mainland China. Mm -hmm. But it's it's just... In, language is interesting that way. Writing systems and speaking a language is just... Depends on the culture. It depends on all sorts of different factors. Um, like, there's plenty of words that you use over in here in Taiwan that are, I guess, closer to, like, Japanese words, too, just because Japan occupied this little island for, you know, 50 years. Like, in a, the cram schools here are called Bushiban, and that is a Japanese word that they just coined mm -hmm. and use here. Yeah, yeah, I would say um, uh, Taiwan for sure has absorbed a lot more of those, um, I guess, like, Japanese originating words and and they don't even need to be like it doesn't even need to be written in chinese characters it could just be a japanese word and then it's it's like closest um chinese compo uh, uh i guess like um uh, pronunciation yeah the yeah i was gonna say uh man what's the word it starts to see it's on the tip of my tongue but 
but yeah, like like, like yeah, let's we'll, we'll just go with that. They'll they'll find like the the closest Chinese pronunciation for that Japanese word. Um, but like I said, they can also just literally take the 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 kanji, the Chinese characters used in a Japanese writing system, and just apply the Chinese pronunciation to it. Um, they don't have to. They they don't need to switch characters. They just literally use the same character. So I think one of the biggest examples, or probably one of the most common examples, is uh, bento, which is pronounced bian dang in 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 uh, Chinese. You're um, right. Yeah. That word is that. I don't even think you use bian dang in in mainland. I I don't I don't think that's actually used in the mainland. I think it's something else, right? Uh, maybe I didn't go to a lot of bento places in mainland China, but I. I yeah, that doesn't sound like something they would say in the mainland, you know. It, it's like, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where it is. I think it's like it has. I think it might have the word he, uh, like he fan or something like that, like box. I think he is like he zi. I think, I think that's uh, the word for box. But yeah, um, uh, that's one word that I can think of immediately. But, but yeah, because of that sort of like co- Japanese colonial heritage. Um, there has been like a larger influx of Japanese created words that are just like directly adopted into like uh, Taiwanese Chinese mm-hmm. or Taiwanese Mandarin, if you want to say that. Yeah, Taiwanese Mandarin. I, I yeah, we could go with that. Um, and also, there's just different words in general and different ways of saying things. Like uh, mm-hmm. the go-to I always ran into and think about is la jie tong versus le si tong. They both mean oh, yeah, I think, r- garbage can or trash can. Oh yeah, like mainly I think it's isn't it la ji, right? La ji. Yeah, la ji. Um la ji tong la instead tong. of le mm-hmm. tong. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I think when I first looked up my dictionary, I was so stupid cuz like in my book they haven't taught that word yet. So when I looked at my dictionary, which is plico, I think we both use that one. Mm-hmm. They, it says it, it follows the mainland pronunciation cuz I think I don't think it's from the mainland, but I think that it just follows mainland pronunciation. And so I remember saying, uh, like in the Seven Eleven, I was like, like, la uh, ji uh, and then and then they're like, what is that? And then and then like I had to show them the characters. I was like, oh, listen, listen. I was like, all right, all right. Now I have to relearn the pronunciation. <laughs> um, and then the, and then um, a, a similar thing is uh, um, some words uh, that some words. Um, they have the same basic, uh, how would you say, phoneme? The, the same phoneme, but the tone is different. So I think in the mainland is uh, Monday is xin qi yi, but then in in Taiwan is xin qi yi. So the qi and qi are different. Uh, the same, I guess you could say the same pronunciation, but different tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like, instead of saying hun, they say hao, like in, in using like an adjective, uh, like something is very cool say hung cool is as opposed to how cool uh are, are you saying are you saying like which one is taiwanese and which one is mainland taiwanese is how uh you can both actually mainland and and taiwan they both use hun how oh yeah like like if i watch like a mainland movie they, they can say how how cool yeah, or yeah. How, how shi. all right yeah that's interesting uh, see, I'm I'm still learning the language. He has mastered it a bit more than I have. Like you I'm, act- I'm definitely still a foreigner, man. <laughs> like I, I I always think that my Chinese is good, but then whenever I talk to like real Taiwanese people, like goddamn it, I'm not. Well, you know, like you're you're far above my level, and I'm still trying to learn. Um, I can only read about a hundred or so written characters in both simplified or traditional and i don't know if my conversation skills have even gotten too conversational at this point if you haven't heard that a lot i'll say that to you yeah (laughs) well well, i just like to make an observation um about the taiwanese fandom overall um, because uh, I, I know I know I know we're we're trying to bridge um, the Asian and Western fandoms. Um, I know these are very very generic, very broad strokes terms, but to be more specific, as I mentioned, I'm based in Taiwan and I've lived here longer. So really, all my experiences are are, or at least most of my experiences, 
really come from just living here in Taiwan. Like I've, I've never lived in Thailand, for example, for like a permanent, like or for, for a long period of time. So an observation I wanted to make was um, I found the fandom overall to be quite welcoming, like more welcoming than you would think. And although I think there, I, I, I would definitely say that the Taiwan, Taiwanese furs tend to be more shy and maybe a little bit more reserved compared to, um, I, I'm just going to say American furs because that's where I lived. Um, I, d I definitely want to make that observation. I do think that Taiwanese furs are more shy, but I felt like at the same time, there is still like a group of Taiwanese furs who, no matter if you are a foreigner or no matter if you can't actually speak Chinese very well, I think they would still like to be your friend and communicate with you. I just know that there's like that initial cultural and, 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 and language, that linguistic barrier, I would say um that's there and it definitely gets to me every now and then um yeah. like when i go out to try to make friends with taiwanese furs i do know that like if you're too forward you're too open maybe if you're too extroverted that's that's gonna probably scare them off and that's probably gonna like slow down the relationship but if you if you spend a little bit more time with them maybe get to know them um and and then maybe like let them speak a little bit more or if you kind of just like simplify your english for example um and so that it's easy for them to understand. Um, I find that it's more of like a patience is rewarding kind of approach where it's like, if you take the time to know them and listen to what they have to say, or again, if they can't speak English very well, like give them a chance, give them a chance to speak English and really try hard to understand their English. Um, and really don't necessarily like look at the language itself, but look at the meaning and what he's, what the person is really trying to say. I found that like if you give them a shot, then they're 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 willing to be friendly and, and 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 welcome you. Yeah, honestly, you are absolutely spot on. Not just with the Taiwanese furries, but the Taiwanese in general are kind of like that. Um, now I've met some Taiwanese people who are way more direct and open than your typical Taiwanese person, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. like anyone who is like approached me and said, "Oh, are you American?" And I say, yes, yes, I am. It's like, oh, <laughs> because first of all, this may be the first time they ever met an American. Second of all, I just wowed them because they didn't expect me to know any Chinese. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like it even happens on the train in public transit. Just like random people are just like, I'm going to take a chance. I, I studied English. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and and it works out, you know. You, you exchange well, lines and you... Uh, oh, by the way, the main source of communication here in Taiwan, similar to, to Japan, is line. Mm -hmm. That is right. They even have line pay. I, I haven't set that up, actually. I have not set up like the line pay. I just pay in cash. Yeah, honestly, it's a lot more convenient to use line uh, uh, cash in Taiwan rather than trying to do the more technological thing and use your phone to pay with everything like you would be able to do in mainland China my goodness yeah I did not carry heard, my wallet yeah anywhere in China mm -hmm. unless I knew I had to bring like some sort of um like identification for some reason but like I just had my phone and my keys and that was it. That's all you really need mm -hmm. because your WeChat pay is linked to your bank account. You can also use Alipay. Even the street vendors like Yeah. Even they're selling like sweet potatoes or something like that. Like like warm sweet potato or something. Yeah, yeah, warm sweet potatoes. <laughs> I, heard, I heard they had like and they got the QR code like on, on their booth or yep. stall or whatever and then yeah. Mm-hmm. You just it's all I, yeah. QR codes, man. And it's, I, think, I think that's like slowly catching on in Taiwan with, with line pay, but it's just not as fast. Yeah, just because why would you, you know, you already have a bunch of cash in your wallet. So like, why not just mm -hmm. use that? Also, the, the yeah. cash and the coins, it's just part of that is like a symbol of like Taiwanese like pride in a way, I think. You, oh, really? I, I haven't heard about that. It's just from how they have, like, the illustrations on the money. This is just me talking. I don't have not heard this anywhere. But from my observation, mm -hmm. like, and even just the way to talk about, like, the new design for the passports for Taiwanese citizens. Right. 
Like, they really wanted to add that, like, boba tea thing onto the passport. <laughs> um, that one didn't make, unfortunately, for uh, for some boba tea fans. Ah, dang. <laughs> there are plenty of great boba tea shops around the world, um, but for the most part, I've my experience with them has been here in Taiwan just because this is the originator and main export of such drinks. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I'm, tea. right now I'm drinking, it's not boba tea, but it is a special kind of a tea. What is it like? Ali Shan green tea? Uh, Ali Shan is a, I think that is a, uh, I know it's a mountain tea. I think Ali Shan is a kind of oolong, I think. Yeah, it oolong. tastes like oolong. It's pretty good. See, I'm not an expert in tea. I just recently learned back in the mainland, like not too long ago, that they call it something different than black tea. What did they call it? Hong cha. Hong is uh, that, red, that, <laughs> not black. That's what they also call it in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like in English, they say black tea. In any oh, Mandarin, right, right. they call it Hong cha. Right, right. And it's it's a, not necessarily a difference in like how they prepare the tea in the different countries. I guess it's just like I, I'm not sure what the difference is. I'm not sure. I don't remember how like the language difference split there. Yeah, I, I'm actually, that that I'm not too sure either. Um, I'm I'm not too sure like why in English we call it black tea, but uh, I I know that color in different languages. Um, I know that because of the way that they perceive things in that culture that affects what word choice that they use because I, I remember going down the rabbit hole which i won't i won't do here but i think the tldr is basically like your culture will determine what words you can use for color because i think there are some cultures where like like um i don't know like pink like i don't know for us maybe it's like a maybe in english it's a shade of red but in other cultures it's a shade of white so so that's how they'll describe it. Like it's like you're adding white to red instead of like you're starting with red as a base or something like that. That's a um, really interesting way to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, and like like when you study colors of different cultures, especially if these cultures are very very different, I think it becomes more more clear. Um, yeah. But um, uh, I, I also wanted to add. Um, if we still have some time and we're still talking about like our lives in Taiwan, one thing I really liked about living here is the fact that like food and drinks and just, you know, things like that are just really, really cheap. Um, at least compared to the States. Um, like if, 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 man, if you're coming from like New York or California, you're going to love it here because, um, at least where I live, I live in Taipei. So I live in the most expensive city, but I still would call it like, at least for a Westerner, I find it to be relatively cheap. Um, for me like i'm paying at the very minimum about three dollars per meal but to be true to be truth be told it's going to be closer to about like four dollars because like like three is just like the absolute minimum three usd is like the absolute minimum i'm, I'm paying something closer to five or uh, four or five but of course like when you go to restaurants you don't tip if, if i'm not mistaken like most places in asia you just don't tip overall exactly so if, if if this food is like a, like four dollars, you're just paying four dollars. You you go in, you eat, and maybe you throw maybe maybe you throw away the, or like you you return the tray or something like that, or you throw away whatever you need to throw away, and that's it. Um, you you don't have to like put anything on the table, anything extra. You have to give them extra. It's just it's just you pay the four dollars, and that's it, and then you're done. Yeah, and like I I just earlier today for dinner, I went up to some sort of noodle, uh, stand. And I got sesame sauce noodles, and I got egg drop soup, and I got a little poached egg for the for the noodles, and that basically rounded mm-hmm. up to ninety NT, around three dollars. And that was before I got my drink, which was the tea, and that tea was one dollar, thirty mm-hmm. NT or so. So yeah, basically I paid four dollars for dinner. Um, there are certain cafeteria bento box places that you can go to where if you don't eat meat or if you say oh i don't want any meat you can only pay like 50 nt for like a light meal mm-hmm. yep yeah like two two dollars fifty 
And there are also places where um, I, I, I don't know what you would call them in the in the States. Um, like the first the first thing that comes to mind is buffet, but not really. But um, there are places in Taiwan, I think they call them like uh, I think uh, so like self-help meal or something like that. It's like the meal where you basically pick the food you want and they, they weigh it at the end and then you, you pay for you pay for the food and weight. Um, I really love those kinds of places because again, you can you can pick what you want. So if you're really picky, unfortunately, that's me. If you're really picky, then you just get what you need. And then, uh, or if you just like this one particular item a lot, then you just ask them to add more of that item. Um, and I, unfortunately, I actually don't live near any places that are like that. Um, I don't. I, I would have to probably do like a twenty-minute walk for one of those kinds of places. But I, I really would love to, like, like my cafeteria um, from school. They do have that kind of, you know, that kind of like meal where it's like you pick your your food. So then you can pick like your meat, you pick your veggies, you pick your carb, which is usually going to be rice. Um, and then, uh, you know, for for the price, um, for a decent meal like that, um, I'm not paying more than like 100 NTD, so I'm paying about 3 USD. It's a little bit unfair because it's cafeteria food from a student cafeteria, so like that's probably going to be on the cheaper end. But, they get, but yeah, like I never paid more than like $5 for a meal at the student cafeteria. I've, I've been paying closer to like... Anywhere, anywhere between like two to three USD. Yeah, and even I can say even the fast food choices, the international fast food choices, are comparable to the average meal price you would find in Taiwan. My usual go-to was the double cheeseburger meal at McDonald's, and that came up to one hundred and seventeen for the sandwich, fries, and a drink. And I guess that might be about as much as it was in the States, maybe only like a dollar more. But, you know, it's just incredible that I would say mainland China has the more expensive international uh, fast food rather than Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Sure. Unless you get pizza. Pizza is just in general too expensive here. Yeah. Oh man, pizza here, and pl- and plus, I always found the flavors to be weird. I feel like that's a, that's a different topic for another time. But yeah, I found I don't really get the flavors here. At, at least it's hard to find just straight up pepperoni. It's hard to just straight up. It's it, that that's hard to find. Mm-hmm. At least you haven't eaten fruit pizza. Well, I ha- I've had pineapple on pizza, but uh, I I think the fruit pizza you're talking about is like man, like did you did we talk about this before? Did they add strawberries or something like that? Imagine the kind of fruit you would get in a little fruit cup thing, like sure, and then dump that onto cheese pizza. Not like you know, not pineapple. I think pineapple mm-hmm. might be there, but think like uh, some kind of apple or pear, orange. <laughs> just that's that's one way to healthy up your meal. <laughs> healthy up if you just to literally dump fruit on it. <laughs> I'll I'll have to sh- I have a picture of it. I'll have to show you later. But sure. Even the picture of it just did not look appetizing. But also one of the strangest pizza combinations I've seen. I don't know if it's in Taiwan or Japan, but they had a boba style pizza. It was basically a dessert right. pizza with the the boba bubbles, tapioca. I, I heard of that before, and I'm honest. I don't know if I actually tried that, but I'd like to try it just to see how it is. I I like I like to try it, but I don't know if it's don't know if it's good. I I wouldn't venture into anything like that anytime soon. <laughs> like there there's a point where you're trying to find out what kind of crazy foods that you like in a foreign country, and some sometimes. You go for it, and then sometimes you don't. Uh, I remember. I just want to say right now, like Burger is way more, way more, um, uh, like he's way more adventuring than I am. I just want to say that right now. Oh yeah, I've had scorpion in Thailand. How was that? Salty, crunchy, not worth the eight. Uh, what was that? Eighty or ninety baht? Damn, that's almost like that's basically like two something used, like two seventy USD. Yeah. Almost three USD. The bot and the Taiwanese dollars are ba- are around the same amount of economic power. Right. 
now now it is it used to not be that way but now it is yeah okay well i i guess that's uh it for what we have today um for our next episode, episode two, um, our first guest will actually be uh, someone who's from Taiwan, but later moved to the States. Um, that's going to be Kofu. Uh, he He's a personal friend of mine. Um, I believe he, uh, I'm, I'm actually not sure when he moved to the States, but he actually became a U.S. citizen. So he went through the process. He took the tests and everything. And um, he is uh, currently residing in the States, but he does move back every once in a while uh, not move back but uh visits i guess he he does visit taiwan taiwan every once in a while to like go see his family and stuff um and so i think he's going to be like a great guest to kind of like you know ask more about this sort of like he's got that dual perspective of of, of, of the two fandoms so I'm, I'm really excited to be interviewing him yeah sounds good um this has basically been the introductory episode of fox and burger podcast thank you for listening uh, hopefully we will see you in the next episode. So this has been Burger. And this has been Fox. And we will see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.